0: Hello and welcome to a July 26th Tuesday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for Blazers Edge. And for the last three years, I also covered the Blazers as the beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. And I'm happy to be joined by my colleague, news editor for Blazers Edge, David McKay, today on the podcast. David, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Eric? I'm doing good. I've been uh, putting a bed together all day today. I have been moving for the last week or so. Uh, it, it's awful. Never put a bed together. It's terrible. Never move. Don't ever do it. Just <laughs> If you can do anything and just avoid moving, uh, That that's my best advice that I can give. But other than that, I, I, I've been okay.
1: Well, that's good to hear.
0: Yeah. Uh, but there was some Blazers news that – kind of came out of the blue a little bit. Yesterday, I did a solo podcast on it on Monday, kind of an immediate reaction just to, you know, uh, kind of give the fans what I what I thought and the listeners what I thought about this. But let's talk about it. I'd love to talk about it with you as a colleague, a fellow uh, Blazer writer, get someone else's opinion on it. And we talked about you coming on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and now that we have some more stuff to talk about, I think it's even better. And so what do you think about, the addition, bringing McCollum back, they're signing him long-term him and Dame are going to be on in the backcourt until through the 2021 season. So, uh, what do you think about that move to kind of bring, to bring CJ back and lock up that backcourt for the future?
1: I think it's very smart. Uh, I think, you know, they were going to give CJ the max anyway, whether they did it now or if they waited, but by maxing him now, they kind of allowed themselves to look at the, the CBA renegotiations next summer and say, Hey, you know, these guys could potentially be getting more money out of the max next year. If we max them now, we can lock them in for, what was it, $106 million over four years? Yeah. And that could end up being cheaper than it, it would be had they done it after the summer.
0: Right. And and the other thing, too, I mean, this is just, you know, all hypothetical stuff that is just people throwing it around. There's no actual, like, real news about this. But, you know, people have thrown out that, you know, hey, maybe the CBA isn't – they're going to eliminate max salaries, And it's no longer going to be like a given percentage. And they're going to do a hard cap and all this stuff. And so this way, the Blazers are able to keep CJ. CJ is able to stay with the Blazers, which he said in a radio interview today, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to stay with Portland. And the Blazers lock up two guys who are averaging 20 points a game, which there weren't any back there were a f- very few backcourts i think them and toronto were the only ones that had two guards that were 20 a game i think you could say kyrie and lebron i think i think kyrie had over 20 a game so there were about a couple tandems that had 20 a game but there weren't very many and so uh, and you lock up those two guys and i know a lot of people have thrown around like hey they need to trade you know, they, it, these two guards, you can't win with two small guards. What do you think about that line of thinking? I do not ascribe to it, but w- what do you think about, you know, the the notion that the Blazers have to trade McCollum to eventually make the team better?
1: I don't think it's necessarily true. I mean, CJ is one of the better two guards in the league right now in terms of scoring. The defense, I think, is where people get hung up a little bit, Uh Dame's never been known for being an especially strong defender, and CJ's not exactly a, 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 long, a long two that can really get in the way. But in terms of scoring production, they're, they're almost unmatched, like you mentioned. They're, they're pretty high up there. Uh, so if you get them doing what they're supposed to be doing on offense and find workarounds on defense, I think this is a backcourt that you really want to keep together, not only from a production standpoint, but a chemistry standpoint, because that's something that's difficult to find.
0: Right. I think uh, when a lot of people think of two guard tandems, you know, a lot of most people think they don't think, I guess, in like long term historical terms, they think of like more recent examples of times that it's failed, like Brandon Jennings and Monte Ellis or, uh, you know, Dragic and Eric Bledsoe and Isaiah Thomas. And they had all those guards that they tried to make it work and. Uh, Phoenix, you know, has Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe, and those guys. You know, they get along with each other, but they, you know, they've had injury problems. And I think a lot of people just think about the times that that type of approach has failed, but kind of ignore that it has it has worked before. I think I mentioned yesterday it worked with the Pistons with Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas. And even in like the late 80s, it wasn't a a finals team, but the Phoenix Suns went to the conference finals. I think they played Portland and lost to Portland with Jeff Hornacek and Kevin Johnson as their two leading scorers. So it's possible to build a team around small guards like that. Uh, I I guess I mean, there is, I guess, in theory, there would be the type of player you would trade CJ for. But I don't think that that type of player is necessarily available either.
1: that's true. And if they were available, they'd be a big and they'd be in high demand from other teams as well. But I just wanted to point out for a second that, you know, in terms of personality, uh, which can be overlooked, you look at guys like uh, Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight and Bledsoe, I was talking to one of the Suns guys when I was down in Vegas. You know, they were saying he's just not all that assertive. And with with Booker coming on, you know, they're not sure how Brandon Knight's going to feel about his role. Maybe they'll start him. Maybe they won't to appease him to kind of figure that out. We don't have that kind of issue. And you look at also Brandon Jennings and Monte Ellis, and thank goodness, you know, Damien and CJ are neither of those people. You know, Brandon, Brandon <laughs> Jennings is one of my favorite players, not because of his on-court stuff, but I remember a couple seasons ago, he, like, he missed the first couple games of the season with a, quote, tooth injury or something, and it was because the rapper, the game, punched him in the face for hogging a mic at a club. Like... These are the sort of uh problems that we're not going to have in Portland. We have uh Damon CJ are both very smart guys. Uh they work really well together, high character. And I think if you you have guys that mesh like that on and off the court, I mean these guys are good friends. You know, they they work really really well together.
0: Yeah, no, uh they're definitely that that's something that you can't overlook. And I think a lot of times when people analyze basketball, especially, you know, Today, it's all about the numbers. It's all about, you know, the cap sheet a lot of times. And people, I think, underestimate a lot of times how much it matters to have two players that really like each other. I mean, it's not, it's not uh, BS that, you know, Dame and CJ. Are best friends. I mean, now that Tim Frazier's gone, CJ is definitely Dame's best friend on the team. (laughs) And, And so, you know, these guys hang out with each other off the court. They're really both of them have a really close relationship with David Vanterpool, the Blazers assistant coach. So it's something where the two guys respect each other, they like each other off the court, and then that allows them to kind of, you know, let each other go. I think I remember, you know, when CJ did his most improved player press conference he really gave Dame a shout out for you know being a star player who would then let CJ kind of take over at times throughout the season and then even in the playoffs I remember I think it was game five down in LA I was watching it and you know, there was, they had, you know, their best defenders on Damian Lillard. And then it was JJ Redick guarding CJ. And then Dame just gave the ball to CJ for like a long period of time. And he just went to work. And so these two guys really respect each other. They really like each other. And I don't think it's a problem. I think it's a, you know, this is going to be the backcourt. I think this is going to be their scoring unit. Uh Because I just don't see a, a, a guy that makes you better that already has that relationship because i do think that the relationship matters especially when there's two when both guys are this good
1: absolutely i mean that's one of the biggest things is va- in basketball is you have uh two big players on a team and one of them wants to be the star i mean we had a, a situation uh similar to that in recent portland history that i'm not really going to go into but yeah you, well i mean it's, had... it's, it's true i mean i, I mean <laughs> well, one, yeah. one yeah
0: one of them was jealous and the other one wasn't i mean that that there was a little bit of a riff there and i that's and yeah you, Yeah.
1: And we saw how that became a problem and I don't see that becoming a problem here. And I think this is a core that can really be built around in a strong one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's two guys that, you know, are both high character guys that work really hard, both went to small schools, all that, all that jazz, like, and and they both relate to each other really well. Like, I mean, CJ, back when he was a rookie would talk to Damian Lillard, they would talk to each other back when, you know, when CJ was in, in college. And he had a, a problem with his foot and, you know, Lillard went through that in college as well. So they have a lot of places where they can relate to each other. They both live with their moms as was, you know, detailed, uh, by a couple of people last year, Casey Holdall was the first one that kind of wrote that story. And, you know, they, they relate to each other on several levels. So that all of that matters. And so I think this is the right move. And also, I think a thing, you know, that I mentioned in, you know, the I, I wrote something for Blazer's Edge about this is that CJ wanted to be here. And there's not a lot of guys that are as good as CJ that want to be in Portland. It's just it's just a it's a matter of fact that if they if there were a lot of people that wanted to be in Portland that were as good as him, they would be here. And the, you know, and I think it's hard to find guys that are that good that want to be here, that are this good, and I think that work well together with Damien already. I just think it, it it makes all the sense in the world to do that.
1: I'd agree. I think, you know, bringing him in and keeping him here was was a great move for Portland.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, the other move, the kind of the bigger, the biggest move, I think, you know, they brought back Allen Crabb, which a lot of people had reported was gonna happen. They bring back Myers Leonard, both restricted free agents. But the one thing I've kind of asked everybody is, you know, about the Evan Turner signing. What do you think of that? What do you think he brings to the table? Do you think it was a good move? Do you think it was a, a good use of Portland's cap space? Um, yeah what what did you what did you think of uh, uh, of the Turner move?
1: I have a handful of mixed opinions about this, but I think Portland overpaid, but we're Portland. We always overpay. It's kind of the price of bringing in free agents. Uh, I think they they paid him a lot early, kind of figuring out the market. But, you know, he's kind of he's a little bit ball dominant, but he does move the ball really well as well. Uh, He's long. He's a good defender here and there. Uh, I, I think it's important to have a guy who can help facilitate and take pressure off the guards, which was the Blazers' uh, aim once they swung and missed on guys like Hassan Whiteside that were actually the bigs they were looking for. Um, I think I'm excited to have him around just because he's very quotable. Uh, I mean, that's not really an on-court basketball thing, but uh, some of the things the guys say are are so manicured. And It's not that that I'm looking for a misstep if I'm talking to anyone, but it's always saying the right thing. And Evan, like, if you say, how do you think you did last night? You don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. So that's, uh, from an entertainment standpoint, I'm glad to have him
0: here. Um, yeah, we want realness from our <laughs> That That's what we want. We just want people who are honest. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, is he's a good
1: addition. I don't think anyone would argue that he's like actually bad. It's just at the price tag, that particular price point, uh, Kind of makes you, makes you wonder. But I'm glad to have him here. I, I think he's going to be a solid player. I think he's going to fit really well. One of the question marks is you know, whether or not he starts or comes off the bench. And he certainly was good in a bench role last season with the Celtics. But I think he'll, he'll carve out a role. And if he doesn't carve one out, then Stotts will help him carve one out anyway.
0: Yeah, I think they'll find a way to make him useful. I think, I mean, Stotts has done a good job of that, putting people in places to succeed. I think he's going to take kind of the Gerald Henderson role on a little bit just as more of a facilitator, not so much of a scorer. I think Crabb will get more of the scoring load. But yeah, I I do agree that he can alleviate some of the playmaking burden. I do wonder whether he is really the best complement on the court at the same time as CJ and Dame. I do wonder about that part, but, you know, maybe, maybe he is, maybe, maybe, maybe that playmaking is going to be worth a lot. Obviously the price tag is the thing, but one of the things too, that Olshay has mentioned is that this was the last time that they had cap space. And if they struck out on all the guys, they struck out, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't get Whiteside, they couldn't get Chandler Parsons, and then they went to Evan Turner. And so, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it obviously wasn't their first plan of attack cuz that was parson's parson's was their first meeting but uh i think it does add something i agree i don't think he's a bad player i don't think he i don't think he's bad in the sense that he's going to hurt the team but i just don't know how much he really is going to help with the fact that he has you know he's not a great shooter <laughs> you know he 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 can kind of create and he's ball dominant like you said I, uh, so uh, yeah i think he'll he will help but uh yeah, I don't I don't know if he's necessarily like the... I don't know if he's going to be necessarily the guy that takes him to the next level. I think the people that will take him to the next level are guys that the Blazers had already had in-house that they need to improve. Because I think the other thing with Turner is Turner's 27. Like, he kind of is what he is at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the cost doesn't match the return, I think, is the biggest qualm here. But, you, you know, you've got a guy who is definitely going to be... I think he's going to be a positive... Um, and one of the things that, you know, you mentioned he's, he is what he's going to be, and I agree with that. I'm curious to see if in the Blazers system, if he can improve his three-point shooting to even a, like, I mean, last year I would say was atrocious, but, like, if we can get
0: to passably bad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, like 30 instead of 24.
1: Yeah, you know, it's not something where I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I want him out there shooting threes. But I, just on an individual level, I'm curious if he actually makes an improvement here.
0: That and and that has happened. I don't necessarily think that he wasn't given that opportunity in Boston with how many threes that they shot. But it also was it probably a different situation where the offense isn't so predicated on the guards shooting three pointers. They had a lot of bigs that could stretch the floor with those Celtics instead of uh, you know having their guards and and Turner basically played point guard when Isaiah Thomas was out of the game and Marcus smart was out there, but Turner was a, lot, a ball handler for a lot of that time. And uh, I think it will be interesting to see uh, how the Blazers run sets with Turner, bringing the ball up and having Damien and CJ both coming off screens at the same time. I think that could be an interesting look, but you know, th- then what happens when Damien or CJ get the ball, they're just going to leave Turner so that's, that's part of the problem is, like, what are they going to do when those all, all those guys are on the court together? Um, but, I, yeah, I think I, I do agree with you that Turner, uh, as a quote, will be great to have around for the Blazers just because, you know, the Blazers have a lot of really smart guys, a lot of really articulate guys, that are, and guys that, you know, Damien always gives great quotes. And, but I think that uh, having a guy that just kind of speaks off the cuff a lot – in the way Turner does is going to be great for uh, it's going to be great for us and great for the readers, I think too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
0: and you were actually you talked about being down in Vegas and talking uh, talking to some people down there. You were watching the Blazers very closely. I watched the Blazers from afar. I wasn't in Vegas this year, and I wanted to get the perspective of someone who kind of watched them a little bit closer. What did you think of the guys that are on the roster? You know, guys that are going to be there you know, definitely going to be on the team next year. Guys like Connaughton, guys like Vonley, Lehman, you know, what did you think of those guys and how they performed? I know Shabazz Napier was in and out of the lineup with injury kind of stuff, but what did you think of uh, of the guys that are going to be on the Blazers next year? uh, You know, that, that, uh, and how they performed? Well,
1: of the contract players, Connaughton was probably the most impressive which uh, was actually, and this isn't against Connaughton or anything, but it was a little disappointing that that wasn't Von Lay. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting him to make another step forward after starting so many games this year and then coming back to Summer League and they were looking for him to dominate, which he didn't really do. Um, I know he was looking very aggressively to get rebounds because that's the role he kind of sees himself in. So in that respect, you know, he did all right. I know he was very frustrated in the first game against Phoenix, as was uh, pretty evident with his little tiff with, uh, with Booker, but you know uh, some of the guys looked pretty solid. I know uh, Napier. We didn't get to see a whole lot of him, but I was trying to keep a close eye on him because he's sort of a new addition to the roster, and he's got great court vision. Um, they, I know there were a few times where he would wing a pass over to to Cliff, and he you know he bobbled it and it didn't finish. But then he winged another one over to layman in the corner and he's got the, the no look down pretty solidly as a ball handler. um, He keeps the ball really low. And this is something you see even in pickup games with short guys pretty frequently is that he's, he's looking for you to reach. So if he's bringing the ball up the court, he'll stop at the top of the arc and then he'll kind of bring it down between his legs and try and do a few quick things. And it is good when it works Um, at the same time, he gets the ball poked away which is not ideal, but I like the way he aggressively attacked the basket, even though he didn't shoot well. Um, I think there were things to like about Napier. Although, you know, again, it's, he's probably the smallest sample of any of the guys just because of the head injury and then the shoulder injury and then being inactive for the last game or two. But I think there were, there were positives. I think one of the things about summer league is you're not really looking for uh, the team to win or lose. I mean, I've, I went several games without looking at the scoreboard until probably the third or fourth quarter. It's all about the individual performances. And I'm trying to think if there was anyone who stood out as especially bad. I know uh, Lehman had a very slow start. He's, you know, he was billed as a shooter and he didn't hit very many uh, threes successfully early on, but he has a very pretty stroke. So, He's got that going for him. Uh, surprising athleticism, not afraid to attack the basket, even if it means trying to dunk over three people and going to the free throw line as a result. So,
0: and he's pre- uh, he's pretty big too, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I think he's like six eight. So, and the weird thing is, is like you know he's he's tall. I wouldn't call him large necessarily because, you know, he gets bodied on rebounds, and that's something that uh, is is kind of an issue, but they they pretty much ran him, Dale Osborne ran him as a guy who's just going to spot up in the corners. Like, if you watch him, you can go back and watch the Summer League games. He's pretty much just running the sidelines from the break to the corner, break to the corner, waiting to be open for a shot. Um, and that's, you know, I, I don't think he'll have a role beyond that during the regular season as kind of a, a second-round draft pick rookie who's gonna have to come in and fight for minutes you know if they give him a role like that and assign it to him he's gonna have to stick to it but he was interesting to watch i think uh there's potential there i you know that's one of the things with uh neil O'Shea's draft history you look at uh, especially going into the second round to draft alan crabb you can see he's got kind of an eye for the talent he wants to bring to the team and layman's solid i, I appreciate what he was able to do And while I'm rambling, I might as well jump in on Montero. Yeah. um, Who I've seen comments saying that he looked like trash during summer league, which is, uh, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that, because if you're just looking at his ability to score the ball, he had trouble. But I think a lot of guys did. The biggest thing I noticed about Montero is his passing is great. It's it's just really special. So there were a few times even in transition where they're running down the court and he gets like this two-hand touch pass, gets it to to his teammate for the score. And it's it's fun to watch. Uh, we'll see how useful it ends up being if he does get minutes in the regular season. But he was probably my favorite guy to just kind of keep an eye on at Summer League because you, you're never quite sure what kind of weird play he was going to come up with.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, touching on Montero for a minute, I know the Blazers signed Tim Quarterman. And I think, you know, th- that t- Quarterman will be a training camp. And I think... I think with Montero, the thing that I've heard from talking to a couple people is that they're going to give him a chance to make the team. I don't think his spot is secure by any means uh, with, the, with the Blazers. I think, like you said, he has, clearly has talent, but it's, do the Blazers you know, kind of have time to wait for that to take shape? I mean, I remember they, they really liked him when they first drafted him. Uh, I remember his draft workout and like the Blazers staff was literally like all over him. Like they were like, oh my <laughs> God, like look at this guy, 6'7", super long arms. The thing I really liked about Montero actually just from watching on TV was he actually played really well defensively, I thought. I thought his length – I thought he used it pretty well, like pressuring guys out far past the three-point line and really doing a good job of using his length and his size at that position to kind of – to play good defense. And I think the thing about Layman too – I think actually, you know, Vonleh I think, is kind of a key for the Blazers moving forward, and I agree with you. I think it was a little disappointing that he didn't play better, that he didn't score a little bit better. That is interesting that you note that he wanted to focus more on rebounding because, like, if he's going to get minutes, that's really what he's going to have to do for the Blazers. Uh, but I think Lehman is really interesting, especially given the— I know he's probably not going to play because he's a second-round pick, but it's really interesting given the Harkless situation because, like, you look at him and he's, like, 6'8", which is like, kind of the same thing as Aminu, and he could kind of slot into that small ball four, and the Blazers are kind of, like, going towards that identity, I think. I mean, maybe he's not big enough. I mean, what do you think about that?
1: I Yeah, I mean, that would be my biggest issue is that I don't think he's he's big and strong enough to be a four in the NBA right now. Like, I know he played a lot of four in college, but this guy, he needs to put on some muscle, needs to put on some weight, because if you watch him uh, in the paint, just trying to get in there, trying to get a rebound, he is just getting completely smothered, um, which is something, I, I, again, I, I see as an issue. Uh, again, you know he's he's very aggressive on offense. He'll take it to the rack and do his thing there, But I don't think he could legitimately hold his ground if he had to on defense,
0: yeah, no, that's an interesting point, and that's really something that you can kind of only see when you're watching it in person. I feel like that's one of those observations when you see the guys battling down low, it's a little bit easier to see that. So I'm glad we had you on to kind of give that insight, you know, especially as someone who watched the Blazers closely throughout the, the whole most of the summer league, I think. And, and it was, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the Vonley thing was a little disappointing. I think with Connaughton, I think, you know, it looked like he might have a chance to have a role, but I, I doubt that they've got Evan Turner, They've got Alan Crabb. I mean, I think it's going to be really hard for Connaughton to get any minutes next year, too. I just think a lot of those guys, even Napier included, if they keep on you know, staggering the minutes at point guard and even Evan Turner playing a little point guard, I think it's going to be hard for uh, a lot of those summer league guys to crack the rotation next year just because the Blazers have so many guys like already entrenched, and they just paid more guys, too.
1: Well, and the scuttlebutt with Connaughton is that you know, potentially after this rookie deal is done or maybe after his next contract is that he's going to to go play baseball because he's always wanted to prove that he's a two-sport athlete, which he is. You know, he's been uh, practicing with the Orioles in the offseason and they drafted him and he can go make money. And these are years right now where he's not putting miles on his arm as a pitcher. So it's one of those things where you look at him and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy has like a 97-mile-per-hour fastball or something like that and a 44-inch vertical it would be cool to develop him in in basketball but i'm not sure how long he's staying and i don't know if the blazers have a good feel for that either so i would love for him to crack rotation i think he has a lot of potential but whether or not he personally decides to see that potential through is yet to be determined
0: yeah and i think uh i think one thing though you know that you have to think about is yeah he does have that talent and i'm sure there's he could get more money in baseball if he you know makes the majors and and things of that nature but there there is the 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 luxury of the NBA that there are guaranteed contra- you know that there's super you know there's guaranteed contracts the schedule is is brutal during the season but it's not quite the grind of like playing every day and having a game every day like it is in baseball obviously as a pitcher that's a little bit different but I feel like I don't know. I feel like if you're wanting to be an athlete, I feel like being an NBA, a professional athlete, I feel like an NBA type of schedule is probably a little bit more flexible and forgiving for players. So I think Conaton's going to give it a shot. But that is interesting that you bring that up because you're right. He do, he's not putting any miles on his arm. He's not really using it. And he still has that option if... You know he f- feels like basketball isn't for him. So, but you know injuries always happen. I think one thing to remember about the Blazers too is they didn't they really hardly had any major injuries outside of Lillard missing a couple of weeks with that plantar fasciitis. You know, well, and Myers and Myers too. But like the, that wasn't you know the, the year before they had injuries to all of their starters basically throughout the season except Lillard. And so you know you have to wonder whether that is going to keep on repeating itself with guys like Crab. You know, if Harkless is back on the team, Aminu, the Blazers did a good job of managing minutes for guys. But I think, you know, I'm sure that guys like Connaughton are going to get a shot because there's going to be, you know, times throughout an 82 game season where guys aren't going to get to play. So I think he will get his chance. I just don't think it will be like a, a consistent role for him.
1: Yeah. And I think that can probably be said for a lot of the guys on the team right now. And the Blazers, it's it's funny, they're uh, they're deep, but it's a shallow depth in the sense that they don't run like nine all-stars deep. No one does. But, you know, they have, uh, yeah, have Dame and CJ leading the pack. And then they have everyone else who's at pretty comparable levels. I mean, maybe Crab is sort of the tweener there. But it's, it'll be interesting to see what the, the lineups look like, because I don't think we've had this many question marks for some time. Everyone's going to be fighting for a role, and that role may not be cemented. They may be switching on and off. One of those things that I'm, I'm kind of curious about is to see what they end up doing with Plumley and Azili. Um, but, you know, that's sort of a different topic. They've just got so many guys that are of similar skill levels and at different places in their career. You know, you got guys like Evan Turner. He's 27. Farouk's, I think he's somewhere around there, too, is
0: he not? Yeah, Farouk is like 26, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then you've got guys like Crab who are a little bit younger. Myers, who's a little bit younger. We're going to be, you know, potentially playing a little bit of time at small forward in Crab's case and a little bit of time at power forward in Myers case. And, you know, someone somewhere is going to, to break into rotation a little more than they had been in the past. And some people are going to fall out just because we have a lot of guys that are comparable.
0: Yeah. So uh, th- thanks for coming on today, David. Uh, tell, you, we can find you. Follow David at at David McKay NBA on Twitter uh i was fun having you talking blazers talking summer league thanks for joining us uh anything else you'd like to say anything else you got coming up that you want people to look at
1: oh gosh um let me think about that i've got so i'm doing a video series with terry porter uh that should eventually be going up on blazer's edge i need to keep working on that um i mean there's a q a with some of the warriors guys about festus azili you know, I've got little things here and there that I'm I'm working toward, but no, I mean, it's it's been a pleasure to be on here. Keep an eye out for my stuff. Whoever's out there listening, uh, if you are interested in following on Twitter, that's McKay with another A between the M and the C. It's very Scottish. M-A-C-K-A-Y. Uh, and I hope to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, no, we'll definitely have you back on. It was fun having you. Check out David's stuff at BlazersEdge.com, where I am also writing these days. And Thanks for joining us on another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network on Audio Boom. Subscribe to us on iTunes, subscribe to us on Audio Boom, download the Audio Boom app. You can get the RSS feed. Follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson. Follow the podcast at Locked On Blazers. And if you have any questions that you want to send in via email, you can send them to Locked On one word at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow.
1: and where's hold on i gotta bring up audacity again and stop